Hi, I'm Dave Hudson. Hi, I'm Lauren Kennedy. I'm Jordan Mann. Jeff Thompson. Hi, I'm Adam Guan. This is Sean McLean Bankson. And Abigail Nesson Bankson. This is Mel Atkey. Hi, I'm Ryan Cunningham. And I'm Joshua Salzman. This is Masi Asari. This is Brooke Pierce. Hi, I'm Susan Blackwell. Hi, this is Pat Burns. I'm Noel Cat. Hi, this is Brad Howell. Hey, this is Julia Murney. This is the cast of 20 something. And you're listening to Musical World. I'm a kid in school on the Upper West Side. I'm not good at sports, though I sort of tried. If I can, I will sit in the back of the class where it's easier to hide. I get picked on for sure. I can't make any friends. At the lunch table, I'm alone at the end. All the songs other kids like seem stupid to me. Hanging out on Twitter is a bore. But still, I can get through it all. Cause I have something
Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time this finds you. That was a song from a new CD, Stories in My Mind, and I am speaking with the writer, Dennis Livingston. Hi, Dennis. Hello, Jim, and everybody listening in on this. That song, Stories in My Mind, is from your new CD. Um, Tell us a little bit about Stories in My Mind and your project with the new CD release. Yes. Uh, well, thanks. I'm really uh, glad to have this opportunity. Uh, it's actually The Stories in My Mind, and it's the title song of a uh, what started as a show uh, with that title, uh, The Stories of My Mind, uh, The Songs of Dennis Livingston. And it was put on in New York at the end of actually 2011, so it's been long in gestation as a CD, <laughs> but recorded live at the Metropolitan Room in in New York, a, a great uh, a great band. Sort of follow that that theme along. Uh, the the op- that that opening number uh, talks about this character who's kind of nerdy, as, as you might guess, hearing it uh, growing up. Uh, in, an, in an environment where he's uh, deeply immersed in in the fantasy science fiction worlds and uh, eventually finds there are other people <laughs> like him too that he can relate to <clears throat> and yeah it's a bit autobiographical as as some of my work is uh, not literally every line but it draws on those things, as we'll hear in other songs that you'll be playing. So that's partly my story. I've been reading, uh, by the way, sci-fi, fantasy, and and uh, that ilk uh, my my whole life. So uh, it's it's nothing. I'm something I'm still immersed in, but I've found plenty of people to <laughs> talk about that with. So that that's what that that song is. It's sort of the coming out <laughs> event of the sci-fi and Ooh, into the. Who was the vocalist on, uh, on the Right. So <clears throat> that is Kenneth Gartman, along with the rest of the cast, doing the kind of doo-wop <laughs> backgrounds. Uh, and uh, Kenneth is, was also the pianist and slash music director okay. uh, for the show. Uh, he's, uh, I think, uh, since uh, since it was put on, developed his own uh, cabaret uh, debut and uh so he's a very fine singer, as, as you can tell, as, as well as a great pianist. So really, those those kind of performing skills that I wish I had, but uh, but don't. Uh, so I don't, uh, you know, I play I play enough piano to be able to write write the stuff, but not not to play it in public or to sing in, in public. So uh, that 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 was Kenneth. Uh, I know the I know the feeling. That's the same uh, right you same too. style I am. Yeah. It's uh, that's that's what goes on. So uh, yeah, I rely on the kindness of strangers mostly <laughs> to, to to do my uh, cabaret and jazz songs, which is what I'm writing uh, um, basically. And uh, as I say, some of them put together for this show. The director, uh, so every everybody everybody in 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 the cast, you know, had some some role going on. The director uh, was uh, Scott Coulter, another very fine New York uh, cabaret singer and mm-hmm. and director. He's done. He uh, directed a lot of shows at Town Hall in New York and is very prominent himself as a singer. And uh, he liked what he, the music he was hearing so much. He decided at one point, said, "I want to be in this show too." So he cast himself along with the other people that uh, he had picked, uh, which includes Kenneth and uh, Julie Rayburn, uh, a well-known uh, also cabaret singer and theater person in New York. And then let's see, that's three of them, and the other there are other two. Uh, the cast of five were younger singers, sort of rising stars. One of them, Christina uh, Christina Connors, and uh, Alex Foley, and we'll be hearing from them in other songs. Okay, to me, listening to your music, it it's very <clears throat> musical theater esque, as as most cabarets. I mean, you know, if you think about it, a lot of cabaret music is musical theater type music yes it is and and yours lends itself very well that way have you have you considered uh ever writing a musical or actual yeah a real full book musical right yeah Uh, well certainly over the years and then i get scared or draw back or something i think oh my god now i did actually well let me just pick up first on on the point that Without without intending to the yes the kind of cabaret songs that, that I've written and certainly others in that in that genre uh, 
are often like little little pieces of, of music theater, and uh, uh, or they sound like the people often ask me, you know, what show does that come from? <laughs> and uh-huh. I don't, don't know because they they tend to be uh, many of them story songs like that one that you just heard. Right. Sounds like they could be exa- precisely a character in 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 a musical. Exactly. And uh, you know. Gee, what's what act was that in, and how did it fit in the plot and all? But they they don't. They're written as standalone songs, but were there there was enough in common that they could be fit together for this show with with a simple plot. But that's right. I am that way. Uh, and as far as writing an, a, a full blown uh, musical, uh, I actually started not not so much writing cabaret songs, but just inspired to um, do that, uh, and turned out in a, a children's musical. Because uh, somebody told me that there weren't that many original ones that least schools were doing, right? And I figured, gee, what the kids like? <laughs> and as some, as somebody as I am, also, you know, remember that sci-fi background, <laughs> uh, science. Uh, a lot of people take that route. Uh, so I thought dinosaurs. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yes. So, so I decided to write <laughs> a dinosaur musical, uh, and uh, that took a while. You know, out of just out of nowhere, I basically uh, there, there's a musical background there we can go into later. But I just did research: how do you write a musical? <laughs> and just learned as I went along, and learned a lot. And uh, it uh, eventually emerged with the title of uh, the Cretaceous Cabaret, <laughs> and uh, tells about the, the Cretaceous era is when they all finally, you know, uh, became extinct when that 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 meteor uh, hit them and wiped it all wiped them. So it's a kind of uh, it turned into a kind of mystery story as a dialogue detective and uh, uh, her sidekick <laughs> inevitably won a carnivore, won a uh, plant eater, uh, just trying to figure out why are dinos dying all over the landscape? Who's who's doing this? <laughs> and, and like, so it's a kind of a science musical too, you know. That way you, right. you figure it out. I mean, kids know a lot of kids who who have seen this. They 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 know the ending. Oh sure, <laughs> <laughs> it's. <laughs> It's like uh, other shows where, you know, uh, in this case, like Hamlet, everybody's going to die. But, <laughs> but uh, it, uh, there's, there's a way to make that uh, interesting and, and, and pleasurable on the way through. So uh, that, that uh, songs from that show, as well as what you'll be playing, are, are all on my website, too. If anybody's, anybody's curious what, what a dinosaur musical could possibly okay. <laughs> use as, as numbers, uh, you can find it. Yeah, go ahead and uh, give your website there, and I also have it. Uh, I'll have it posted in our uh, oh. notes on uh, musicalworld.us. But go ahead and tell them, and if they're not okay. driving, they can go ahead and search it out. <laughs> right. Well, it's easy. It's just my name: www.dennislivingston.com. Okay. And there you'll find uh, basically uh, all the. Uh, all the uh, cabaret and, and some jazz songs that have been uh, released, uh, some in, in uh, studio demos and others from uh, uh, that have been covered on, on CDs, which a number have commercially. And then this, this new one, I've got them on along with videos uh, when I've been able to do that, oh, okay. as, there are, as, there are, as there are from the New York show. So, yeah, if you like what you hear, you can go see the performance, too, either on my site or uh, YouTube. Great. Well, tell us about the next song. It's time for roses. Uh, it's a ballad. I know that. I've, of course, I've listened to them, and I could uh, listen to Julie Rayburn sing the phone book. Yes, that's right. Uh, I think, in a way, uh, all the people that uh, were in the show, you could say that of. But she has such a fine voice uh, too, and was perfect for this for this ballad. And, and you could hear it as, she, as she's singing it like it's her story, as the best cabaret singers do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that also comes from, you know, Pulan, in this case, uh, things you know. And uh, it fit the storyline because as you hear, and uh, Scott, uh, the director, uh, quickly picked up in several of my songs involved books one way or another, like the, that opening number you played and, mm-hmm. and this one as well. I thought about a guy in a bookstore, uh, well, whoever the protagonist in this case, it's a, it's a woman, uh, fits either way, and uh, you know meets uh, somebody else uh, as they you know talk about 
and see books that they like, and, and a relationship develops. So that was a natural tie-in to developing a character of that nature. And uh, we see what happens to that couple later on in other songs. And so uh, that that's what you'll hear, that uh, the decision, you know, the, the protagonist is somebody who clearly, uh, it says, says explicitly in the opening lines uh, that they've lived perfectly, <laughs> they're perfectly happy. Uh, to be living alone and surrounded by books, you know, crowded into cozy nooks, which is, by the way, is where I'm sitting right now in my <laughs> sci-fi library. Uh, talk to you, including, uh, that's the picture. You should keep in mind that I've got all these uh, great um, dust jackets staring out at me. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's that's that person. Was, and again, it was a little bit of me uh, after after a first marriage. I figured out I was I was done. And then you meet somebody who uh, is a, there's a very strong attraction, and 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 that's how the song develops. That's the story. As this character finally admits, well, I've I've got to go wherever <laughs> wherever this is wherever this is leading. Right. And, that's, and that's the title. It's finally it's it is time for roses. Okay, let's give, it, let's give it a listen. This is Julie Rayburn singing It's Time for Rosie. For a long time I have been content to live my life alone In an orderly existence, the path of least resistance Has been the path I like to call my own Then I saw him at the bookstore Standing next to Schopenhauer He liked car talk I liked bar talk As I should We drank tea We talked till ten Sharing thoughts from artisan We made plans To meet as often as we could But still it's not so easy in a life that's quite complete To contemplate a change I haven't sought Surrounded by my books Crowded into cozy nooks It's not yet time for roses So I thought Now I can't believe what's happened I've become a wretched mess Full of doubts and odd confusions I don't need Though I find it hard to say I admit I've lost my way I can't fathom where the road I've taken leads It can't be time for roses I'm not feeling all that sweet Instead I hear the bugle That old familiar bugle The one that keeps on sound That was uh, it's time for roses and uh, wow she does she does that so beautifully 
Now, our our musical theater listeners, I think they uh, they will probably know at least some of them will be familiar with uh, a close relative of yours. <laughs> right, and and the, oops, and the uh, the screen just uh, went dark. Okay, it's up again. Uh, and just uh, yeah, the reason I'm I'm here at all today, <laughs> both physically and professionally, uh, but. Okay, so the, uh, briefly, that that's that line, uh, that story is, yeah. How did I become a songwriter? Somebody interested in in musical theater and the intersections between cabaret and jazz and theater and all that. Exactly. Uh, uh, that I'll, I'll just say comes later in life. I did not. I have not been one of these people who started writing at you know ten <laughs> or twenty or even thirty. <laughs> I, I went through other careers. Uh, I was an academic, uh, teaching political science uh, first for uh, a long time, and by the way, had had one stop in Cleveland oh. at, uh, for four years at Case Western Reserve. Oh yeah, uh, yep. So I know that area, and uh, always uh, again following that science interest. I was on the Case Tech side as I was uh, in uh, my my last stop as a teacher at Rensselaer Polytechnic in in Troy, New York, where I was able to. Talk about science and government and science policy and uh, even uh, a course or two on science fiction. So uh, the, those were those days. Uh, that's uh, in the late 60s, 70s, and then the 80s. Uh, became a writer about uh, computers in, in uh, how they're used in the business world mm-hmm. for trade magazines. Uh, and, uh, again, uh, bootstrapped myself into into being a computer writer I, Never done anything like that, but I could write plain English that people would understand, and that was valued uh, in talking about uh, uh, those kinds of systems. Uh, so uh, for a time, I was a policy analyst in the state government in Massachusetts. That's what brought me to the Boston area where I live. Uh, and uh, that 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 was uh, during the Reagan years, not a very smart career move, but at least I had a job that those budgets were decimated. And uh, finally... Let's see, this would take us into the early 90s when uh, these other careers had run their course. I was coming into, um, uh, let's say, uh, ownership of, of certain certain copyrights uh, that they derived from my father, uh, who was a songwriter long ago in the 30s and 40s and a bit into the 50s. The Tin Pan Alley area, the, the great American uh, songbook, that era. Right. And so uh, I, so I started. You know, that became a small business. And I think he, he had died by then, but would have been quite surprised <laughs> to know that I could, uh, again, um, by researching and talking to a lot of people, learning about copyrights, uh, do something with this and promote it more than it had been in the past. And it was on the way through that uh, that I decided, gee, this is great stuff. You know, when you grow up with somebody. <laughs> Whatever, you know, your parents and you don't pay much attention to what they're doing. As a kid, it had never uh, been of interest to me. <laughs> you know, dad, your dad is a songwriter. Right. I should, I should say by now, uh, Jerry Livingston. And not to be confused with Jay Livingston, which a lot of people do. But uh, so he was, you know, he's, he just went off to work every day at the Brill Building in New York. <laughs> and... Uh, I didn't realize the, uh, you know, the interesting significance and in pop history of, of all that uh, until much later in life. My my music, I was very interested in music early, but in the classical side, especially modern classical music. Okay. And uh, in fact, I did have piano lessons. Thank God, <laughs> uh, that helped today. But my main instrument was really flute, and as I say sometimes, if I'd only known that flute was not going to be the main instrument of the cabaret world. <laughs> uh, <laughs> In terms of that, but uh, at least I know enough piano to tune out these uh, words and uh, and lyrics. I, I, I'm sorry, uh, lyrics and music. I do that. I do both uh, most of the time. Uh, so uh, at that point in the 90s, I, d- I decided, well, why don't I try? And and I started with those musicals, and I thought, well, you know, if I if I write just standalone songs, that that might be a shorter process. <laughs> As you, as you know, it won't take a year or longer, and then all the effort to get get the show out. But you know all this. Oh yeah, no kidding. Right, and to find uh, you know a lot of what I learned is that in terms of children's musicals, I had a lot of fun with the dinos, and I wrote a second one also. Uh, but uh, that a lot of theaters 
they, uh, children's theaters, uh, don't really, okay, message to all your listeners <laughs> who are thinking of uh, trying a children's musical, by all means, if you want to. But what I learned, at least in those days, is uh, theaters don't go for um, original material. They like shows that they can be original, but they, they better be based on famous books or fairy tales. Yes, and uh, they do lean that direction. They lean that way, especially in that world, and I suppose in the adult world as well. Yes, yeah, now movies, right? So uh, in any case, so I did that, and then I started writing these cabaret songs. I think I took a class or two and in uh, writing in that style or online or, you know, here at the Berkeley uh, College of Music, they offered a, a weekend session that I went to. Oh. Uh, yeah, uh, but in retrospect, uh, I basically, again, learned as I went along. In fact, the, time, uh, the Roses song was one of my earliest, and that came out really well. I decided, you know, when I was <laughs> I want to be a songwriter. <laughs> that, uh, so, you know, what the first rule is who's your audience? Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, so, and it's, it's the same in musicals. And so I thought, uh, okay, let's see, what genre shall I, and this sounds a little, little silly, I guess, in retrospect, but I went, I flipped through the genres, you know, what do I like the most? Uh, and now I was finally listening to, to uh, pop music and not so much classical. And, uh, so I said, hmm, well, I like songs with, uh, that are lyric driven and, uh, you know, with, with tunes you can hum and all this stuff, uh, unlike most of what you hear on, on top 40 pop. And uh, so I thought, well, let's see, where do you find that kind of style these days? Well, actually, in country music a lot. Uh, they honor good lyrics and, and good, good music. But I thought, you know, uh, I don't really, I don't feel, have a feel for that, for that stuff, though I'd like to get to that, actually, in the future. And I just thought, wait a minute, my dad's era, are people still writing that kind of thing? And I found, indeed, they are. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. But, you know, I didn't know until you look for it, because you don't hear it on uh, commercial radio. No. And the music of, of that time, let alone uh, cabaret versions. So I thought, okay, there is a field of modern cabaret songwriting. That sounds like fun. <laughs> and I can write, you know, these sort of, kind of story-driven and really some of them intellectually driven uh, songs that, that fit my my style and personality. And some other songs in this, you know, the drawn history uh, or literature, uh, there will be science references in one or two of them, like that opening uh, title. Uh, so that that's where I'm coming from. Um, yeah, my dad... Uh, people say in retrospect, well, you must have, uh, you must have taught you things. I say, no, but I, I was listening. He would compose uh, some songs at home. He, he, and, uh, so I guess something took hold. Sure. I was yeah. just, just research. Uh, you can read again, uh, more, uh, a lot more about him at my website, but the songs he's best known for, uh, would be things like, well, in the, in the thirties, uh, the, the talk of the town, uh, a great ballad that's still done a lot. Uh, later on, uh, the 12th of never in the early 50s. Uh, oh, really? Johnny Math is hit. Yeah. 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 And he was a composer of these things. Oh, my God. Uh, especially and in, in the war years, uh, Mersey Dotes, lest we forget. Oh, my God. Yes, a lot of people think that was an, an anonymous. And that, that was one of, the, one of my jobs when I took over uh, uh, the family uh, business, uh, chasing down people who thought that way and say, oh, no. Oh, no, no. <laughs> there, there are, it was, it's a written song, just like Happy Birthday, and the copyright is still in, in uh, is still uh, valid. Uh, so, uh, anyway, yes, you wrote Mercy Dots and a bunch of other uh, novelty tunes, as they were called, and because uh, he was, he was a bear, you know, that one. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh, that's yeah. that is wild. And then I'll just uh, end that with uh, what I think is one of the I think that's one of the best move, movie musicals uh, was the Disney's uh, animation of uh, Cinderella, uh, which came out in 1950, and that's just a, such a great score. And uh, with Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo and you know, yeah. um, Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes, which which is by the way I should. They're going to be sung uh, October 14th, along with a bunch of other of his uh, songs in a show in New York at the Metropolitan Room that's being produced by uh, Bobby Horowitz. Excellent. Uh, to uh, honor three great songwriters. Uh, he's one of them, along with Irvin Drake, who will be there, and uh, uh, John Meyer, who will also be there. 
So, oh, uh, man. That sounds like a great night, too. But this music goes on. So now I'm proud of that, that legacy and that heritage and like to, you know, to think that I'm pushing it along into oh, absolutely the 21st century. So that's where I'm coming from. And now I got to, got to be a, got to be a songwriter and uh, eventually uh, was able to get to know a lot of these singers and you know, mostly in New York, but Boston also has a, a, a small, but, uh, but the vibrant uh, cabaret scene. Well, the next song we're going to hear is an ordinary day. Lead us into Ordinary Day and uh, give us a little background. Okay, so now, now as, as they say, for something completely different <laughs> uh, to, some, to some degree, uh, an ordinary day was my uh, response to 9-11. When, when that event happened, uh, of course, uh, a whole bunch of people were writing you know, songs, usually patriotic, uh, several of them from the country, uh, Western Field. Uh, but they were too bombastic, uh, many of them for me, and uh, that, that, I just, that's not what I was feeling. And I wanted to say something, uh, that I hope comes across as, as more uh, thoughtful. It's a quieter, uh, kind of, uh, a reminder to us all, as the title says. My titles often reflect what, what the song is about. You almost know it just from the title is, is the, um, how much we take for granted. Uh, living through an ordinary day, especially those of us in the uh, in 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 the Western world, uh, we we just assume you know the the troops aren't going to be knocking down your door at night, or the buildings won't be falling, and and all you know right. whatever. Uh, and uh, natural disasters might happen, but we we just uh, for most of us, not unfortunately, not uh, not all of us. Uh, most days, you know, go along as as you sort of expect them to to be. You know, on, on that day it didn't, and it was a reminder of that. And I thought that's what I wanted to write about. Of uh, these uh, ordinary days are precious, yeah, and absolutely. that's 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 what the song is. So you'll hear in this one the whole cast. They, uh, you know, it was written as a, as a, as a, most of my songs originally as solos, uh, but these are. A really outstanding arrangements by Scott and uh, Kenneth put together, uh, as far as I could tell, uh, spontaneously, uh, <laughs> can do with a bunch of pros trying out different things. And uh, so uh, that's what comes across. They trade lines, and then uh, there's, a, I think, uh, two of the uh, women are singing a duet toward the end, and then finally they all, they all join in uh, in kind of a benediction uh, to listeners. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's what's going on. This is an ordinary day. The early morning mist enfolds a blade of grass. Three joggers huff around the pond as students rush to class. The hum of passing cars, the flutter of a wing. A child's laughter tumbles down from high up on a swing. The fabric of an ordinary day. The cafe up the street puts tables out for lunch. Some tickets for the lottery await a player's hunch. Two boys escaping school ride skateboards down a ramp. Girl in a department store demands a gooseneck lamb. The making of an ordinary day. The only life we're given is the one we now enjoy, but we get so distracted by the Radio Dust 
Okay, that was an ordinary day, and you know, you were you were speaking of your father that just kind of, you know, listening. I'm just kind of sitting here, blown away. You know, I'm I'm uh, I grew up in the 50s and 60s, and I mean, my parents sang those songs to me. I don't know if I ever actually knew what the exact words were to Mary's Eat Oats. But those are songs that uh, I more or less kind of grew up with. And right. uh, I got to, I got to tell you, I'm kind of sitting here going, Oh wow. That was your dad. That's it's... Yeah. No, I'm amazed too. <laughs> <laughs> no, especially with the Mary's Eat Oats. That's, that's the rare song where people, every generation learns that usually young uh, and from usually to their mothers, yeah, and, you know, s- saying it to them wherever bedtime or somewhere. And uh, so yes, it, it, it is is always such a pleasure when people uh, find me or when I tell them about this. They oh, I I knew that song, yeah. <laughs> sung to me, and it's through the decades. Oh, and whatever their oh age, my gosh, that's just crazy. Mean, we should all, we should all write something that uh, that has uh, has that appeal. Oh yeah, well, yeah, and know, and he's written many, many. It's just uh, yeah, hundreds. Well, in those days, now he was a professional songwriter right from the start. He, <laughs> unlike me, uh, he um, he got his uh, whatever get out of jail pass or from the family <laughs> went on the road. He was a musician, and unlike me, he was a music. He really was a fine pianist musician. So he played in in uh, in bands uh, when he was a teenager and. Uh, on through a lot of his life until he moved to New York to uh, with the ambition to be a songwriter, yeah. uh, and uh, almost immediately had a, a, a string of hits, including the talk, the talk at the town and uh, Under a Blanket of Blue is another one, lovely ballad. Uh, uh, let's see, When It's Darkness on the Delta, oh my god, uh, things like that. From those, yeah, you know that that repertoire from those days, and then just uh, never look back. Uh, as soon as we're uh, done, I'm going to have to go to your website and check yeah, out go that, read about that him. page. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, his, his whole his, his story is there. But I, I think the one thing we want to mention, actually, given what your 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 uh, podcast is about, he did write uh, one uh, musical, and in fact, a Broadway musical. He, he uh, I should say, he wrote several reviews in the 30s. You know, in those days, yeah. It's amazing to to realize that uh, shows were put on at restaurants mm-hmm. and clubs in there. So he wrote several of those, but uh, he did write a Broadway show. It was called Molly. Yeah, it, yeah. It had a short. Yeah, I don't know. Do you, you know that? A lot of people have you know, never heard of that um, because it had a short. You know, it was not a uh, famous uh, show uh, musical. It it had a short run, but a respectable couple of months, <laughs> and and then ran its course and. Uh, it starred Kay Ballard, so yeah, fine. Oh yeah, yeah, Kay Ballard. Uh, oh shoot, Rowan and Martin's Laughing. Isn't she, that uh, what she was on? Uh, I mean, she along might, with other uh, other. She's things. had such a long career. I I, I can't follow all of it, but she was in many musicals and and a soloist and yeah, you know. Uh, but that that uh, Molly was Molly Goldberg, and and that show. Uh, that show was was uh, inspired by the Goldbergs, not the current TV show, uh-huh. <laughs> but but the great uh, guy. I wish I wish more people remembered. Uh, show started by uh, uh, Gertrude Berg, who was an amazing character herself. And you know, over the years, I've wondered if she deserves a musical, her you know, a bio musical. Uh, as somebody who, uh, like uh, Lucille Ball later, was a strong woman, uh, a businesswoman. Uh, knew how to get her way, <laughs> and started this uh, uh, immortal radio show. The Goldbergs eventually became a TV show in the fifties, mm-hmm. and so Dad and his partners uh, picked up on that, and uh, yeah, wrote, wrote wrote what in effect would would have been you know another uh, radio uh, <laughs> you know uh, program uh, of an episode in the life of that that uh, family. Uh, so. Uh, that was that one, but no, he had no other uh, contact with uh, the world of, of musicals. Uh, but yes, as you say, very prolific, like everybody had to be in those days. If you're making a living at it, in the depression, 
And I didn't hook that up till much later. My God, <laughs> how did they manage? But uh, he did. And eventually he started his own big band in the late 30s. And, and I'll just uh, mention this nice um, overlap since you're in Dayton and maybe some of your listeners are. Oh, sure. Uh, uh, that he uh, toured around the country with, with this band and also, uh, of course, gave radio broadcasts, you know, from the top of the whatever hotel. Right. Would always be the line at somewhere. Um, and I know one of his last stops was in Dayton. Uh, I only know this because I do have some scrapbooks of his career, but... Uh, mm, the, in Dayton... I, yes, the, the storyline, right? There was a famous old hotel, and and, the uh, there, and I think it was got to be the Biltmore. Yeah, I was googling it earlier. Yeah, I saw I, when I actually performed there back in the back in the seventies uh, as well. But that's where all the big bands used to come uh, way back when. It's still there, but it's not so much a hotel as it is where you know it's one of those kind of hotels where people rent the rooms and things for, you know, like an apartment. Well, yeah. Uh, Google tells me it's for senior uh, citizens now. Oh, okay. That there. Uh, but in any case, yeah, if they have a ballroom, then that's that's where it was. Yep, that's it. They probably did. Every big hotel did. Uh, so, yeah, his band, of course, called the Talk of the Town Band, uh, uh, played, played there. And it would, would have been one of his last... Um, gigs of that nature, because around that time, I'm going to date myself, in 1940, it was, uh, mm-hmm. I was either about to be born or just been born, and, and I'm, I think it was basically my mother said, okay, time for you to come come back <laughs> home to New York and uh, get back to songwriting. <laughs> uh, and so uh, eventually he did. Um, I, I should add, but my mother was also uh, in a musical uh, business person, uh, in showbiz person, I should say. And she was a singer in, in big bands, and uh, in the early 30s, uh, she was born as Ruth Schwartz, but used, used the show name Ruth Brent, and uh, had uh, something going there for a while. But uh, My gosh, what, what took you so long? You had parents like that. What took you so long to come around? <laughs> <laughs> right, to be converted, right. Yeah. Well, well as, as, you know... Okay, remember way back uh, the stories of, you know, as that shy and the, the shy guy in roses, uh, a bookish, nerdish person. Uh, no, I was really living in my mind a lot of my early years, <laughs> and to some degree still. So it was natural for me to basically uh, think about academics and go into that. I like like, like the scholarly life, uh, but I. I uh, you know, if you want to go the psychology of this, it may well have been having a dad like that, who, who uh, within his circles was well known and really beloved by a lot of people. Um, who knows? Might have been a barrier, uh, <laughs> and maybe that's I sometimes think why. With his, well, my music is classical. What do I care about? Uh, well, I shouldn't talk because uh, uh, I the the first. 20 years when my kids were around, I was a musician on the road. And even mm. though they both play instruments, they neither one of them had any interest to be a, a professional musician. So <laughs> I can't, well, I can't say that it's that far from common for my family either. Uh, yeah. And that would have been harder as I was coming along in the, in the fifties and sixties, uh, I just wasn't writing the music. I, I, I don't think I would have known how to write the, you know, the rock of that day. Uh, though it's a field I now appreciate a lot. Well, I'll just add an irony to this. There's a third generation. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, actually a fourth, but, but to fill in, if people are briefly, uh, the past and the present, my, my grandfather, my dad's father <clears throat> had ambitions to be a songwriter also. And and uh, his name was Sam Levinson. That's our family name. Oh, uh, not the comedian uh, uh, of that of that time. But but uh, yeah, Sam. It's an interesting cycle. I won't I won't uh, go into this too long. But I I know this is there's either a song or a, a theater piece of some kind here. It's a, you know father son. Oh boy, uh, that Sam at about the same age as my dad. I don't know eighteen nineteen twenty. Um, Took himself to New York to try, try, see what he could do. He, he apparently had a very good voice. Ended up, uh, 
self-publishing a few songs, but never made it in that field. But he was a good singer, and he, uh, family legend has it, uh, eventually became one of the, you know, in the days of the reels, uh, movie reels that were being, these is way back now, and mm -hmm. the 20s would be shown in, I don't know, uh, basements or who knows where. Uh, in between reels, they'd have an act, you know, some little right. vaudeville. Right. He'd be the singer. He was billed, Sam was billed as the golden. Uh, our family is ultimately from Denver. People find that hard to believe. Uh, first of all, yes, there were Jews in Denver. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, just like... Uh, you could also be from Indiana. And, and in any case, you ultimately found your way to New York because that was the center of the music industry in, in that time. And so, yeah, Sam went there. He was, so he was a singer there. And the irony is the guy uh, was running this uh, movie program was one William Fox, <laughs> who eventually, um, of course, took himself to Hollywood. And I often think of Sam, it only stayed with him. Yeah. We might have had... Uh, <laughs> More 20th, money than you knew what to do with. Twentieth century levels, and, uh, <laughs> uh, something. But uh, anyway, he met uh, his uh, Sam met his wife there, and as far as I can tell, uh, you know, knocked her up and was summoned back to Denver uh, with Dad in in the pouch. Uh, and so it's a fascinating story that that uh, Jerry picked up that line, so uh, picked up that uh, that same journey. Uh, East, <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, he makes it as a, comp a composer. I often wondered how that affected their relationship, but uh, I was too young to really care or ask about all that. It's, but it, it is fascinating. Now, uh, so Jerry makes it is there. I eventually come to it, and now my son has picked up the baton, but but in a completely different uh, area of the music world, as a drummer in a heavy metal band. Oh, really? And uh, we'll give him a plug. <laughs> I doubt if plenty of your listeners. <laughs> no, probably uh, not, but you never love know. Both musicals and, and <laughs> metal. So I, uh, in a funny way, like coming to appreciate my dad's stuff eventually uh, as an adult. Uh, much later, uh, I, I, I see things in metal. Uh, but his band is Ramming Speed, and if anybody's curious, uh, they've got a, a Facebook page and, and websites. And... Uh, they also have a new release. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, well, go ahead and plug it. What the heck? About that, we have to mention, and what I'll tell him, Jonah Livingston is, his name, is this crazy drummer. <laughs> and this, uh, he is also, I mean, the irony of these things, he is also, that's a touring band. Oh. Uh, sort of that, that part of it skipped me. I have no interest <laughs> <laughs> or talent to go on the road about, with anything of that nature. Uh, but my dad did, and Jonah loves that life. He'd rather be on the road every day than, than almost anything else. And his new release, uh, he signed, his band signed with a label called, of course, uh, Prosthetic Records. Mm. <laughs> what else would a metal label be called? <laughs> and it's called, uh, okay, this may be the first you've, you've had a title on, on your show of this nature, Doomed to Destroy, Destined to Die. So... <laughs> Awesome. Ramming speed. Man, that is that is heavy metal. It's very heavy because they're playing the most loud, fast, and out of control uh, thrash metal, it's called. Yeah. One of the things I learned is that there are many varieties of metal that, that aren't of that type. But that's oh, absolutely. And I think of it now as kind of avant-garde chamber music. It's almost almost cabaret because they, when you're in uh, these DIY bands, you go to small clubs, people's basements, yep. wherever you can find. And by golly, it's a, you know, and I've been to some in Boston, uh, and, uh, listened in and you see that that passion is the same. Yes. <laughs> of people, and uh, even more active in the cabaret audience as they jump around and headbang and mosh and all. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's, so that's his world. And that's we're fantastic. Very, you know, we're both very amused by that, that we're at really opposite ends of the, um, Spectrum. <laughs> That's uh, funny. But appreciate each other's work. He's come to uh, he 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 came to the New York show and liked it, and I've gone to his shows and, and okay, well it's another kind of music, <laughs> but high degree of music musicianship. That's what I want to say. So they're all great artists and drummers. So yeah, so that that beat goes on and it really, it really is quite a beat. <laughs> And who, who knows what will we'll come after? Uh, my my parents weren't all that crazy about my music either. 
Okay, so they yeah they usually right they usually aren't right 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 back to Elvis and then uh, exactly. rock rock and roll and, and all the rest. Each generation has to seems has to find its way. But I'm I'm really very happy that people are re- younger people. That's what's so important. Are seem to be rediscovering uh, that music uh, of the uh, uh, early days of the American Songbook. And now my job is to tune them into, to, as I as I've said, <laughs> he said too often that people are still writing them as they used to. That's right. Uh, and and I would say in many cases uh, just as great as they used to. Uh, so that goes on as well. Uh, well, let's see. I've made my plug for past, present, <laughs> and, and future. Uh, well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Why don't you? We're going to go out with uh, a song. Um, that you wrote, uh, it's it's sort of a gospel type. It's yeah, not it's sort of, it's a gospel feel. It is. Uh, <laughs> right. There's no sort of about it. Uh, okay, well, that, and that gets me to say one thing I guess I had, wasn't going to mention earlier, but maybe already apparent, that you're hearing, uh, I write many, although, you know, the label is cabaret, uh, in some cases jazz, perhaps, uh, uh, adult contemporary maybe fits all these things. Uh, but uh, I write in many different styles because the cabaret world is not restricted to just one one kind of song. Thank, right. song, thank God. <laughs> we yeah. terribly bored. So you'll hear, if you go to cabaret show uh, of the caliber that, you know, like uh, Julie Rayburn and Scott Coulter and these other people put on, you'll hear everything, ballads, blues, jazz. Right. You may hear a country song or a rock song. Uh, I mean... Um, Really good singers are open to any any good any song that really uh, is is great, you know, in music and lyrics, right? And appeals to their inner uh, something is drawing on their their lives that they can uh, express through that song. They'll they'll do it no matter what the genre. I don't think metal has yet popped up, <laughs> uh, and that would be interesting. It just occurred to me <laughs> for somebody to sing a, a metal song, you know, sing it so you could hear it you know, when they scream. With only piano <laughs> instead of uh, distorted and guitar band, and heavy drums. <laughs> I mean, look, you have string quartets doing uh, classic rock music. That's right. Uh, transcribed uh, and so on. So uh, let's see, where, where was I? Uh, so, yeah, so I, I also write in, in many styles, and you'll hear that uh, other songs in the show, the stories in my mind, uh, available, by the way, at uh, CD Baby and the other obvious uh, suspects. And there's links uh, in the show notes to go directly to it. Right, right, and you can find it there just uh, easily uh, with my name or the name or that name of, of the CD. Uh, you'll hear uh, uh, there's a blues song called um, "We're Just Better Off Apart." Uh oh, there goes one of those couples <laughs> in the show, and you'll hear a song uh, that's an extended uh, story, uh, almost art song. Yeah. Well, it is an art song called. Uh, I'm seeing my children for Christmas. Oh, now you know something's happened to the other couple. Uh-huh. And uh, you'll hear, uh, let's see, uh, a song called Springtime in Boston that uh, starts as a ballad, uh, becomes a bossa, changes. I like to often change uh, styles in the middle of a song oh, okay. uh, if, if it uh, feels right. Uh, that, that excites me. You know, why, why just stick to one, to one uh along with changes in keys and rhythms and it says popped up. So, uh, yeah, now, and now we're going to hear our gospel song. Why not? Uh, in that case, how that came about, I had not tried that before, except now I'm going to reveal some real backstage um, back uh, backstory information. Okay. Uh, the tune that you'll hear for the this, this song called... Um, Putting on some feathers. Well, if you go to my dinosaur musical <laughs> uh, uh, and look at the page for that uh, show, uh, you will see a song with that title, uh, Putting on Some Feathers. Now, in in the context of a, of a uh, musical about dinosaurs, as every kid knows, you know, what happened to dinosaurs? Well, they, they not, didn't just die out. They had already, in fact, evolved millions of years earlier in, into birds. I mean, that's just, we know that. Right. Oh, that's it. When you look at a bird, you're seeing, <laughs> you're seeing a dinosaur. Uh, and that's amazing. And so I wanted to end that musical with that, that notion uh, that they go on, that life goes on. 
And uh, when Scott heard that, he said, you know, could you take that tune? Now, I'm sure, obviously not the first one <laughs> in songwriting history to repurpose a song and mm-hmm. see if you can, you know, change the words and play around with the uh, order of verses and stuff and see if you can make it. Because he liked that note, you know, we, you, you like to end show with, with the song, uh, usually, <laughs> most shows, if it's appropriate as it was in this one, to send people out with something, you know, on a high, uh, on a high note, as, as it were. Uh, something that's uh, really got a good rhythm and a beat and, and uplifts you. And so I said, hmm, I don't know if I can do that. Never tried it. Nice challenge. And then I, I, then I did. <laughs> and they played, and this, this group of singers played with it a bit. They actually uh, changed the, uh, let's see, I think they change it from uh, four four to three four or back. Uh, so you know, all my singers have contributed a bit. I, I should say to honor them to to uh, the songs I have. I learned from these these kinds of singers, including the ones that have recorded. Right when you hear them do it, and they say, you know, I think this would be a different a different note that works better, or they'll say a word in a more natural way, yep. and I think I'll, I'll change it uh, uh, right in the sheet music. Yeah, uh, that's something we tell everybody working on our music as well. That you know, if it doesn't feel comfortable, do it a different way. And if we don't like it, we'll tell you. Otherwise, keep it in. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that's it. I sent it. <laughs> I sent in. It's like having a book editor, I guess. Uh, I sent so I sent Scott the song. And said, well, here's some words, and oh, they came pretty easily. Uh, it really, it really works out. Uh, uh, as you'll hear, it's, it seems really appropriate to our time, uh, times. It's hard, hard times for a lot of people, even with a slow uh, economic recovery. About to get a lot slower. But mm. We won't go into that. Mm. And uh, yeah, and uh, so uh, I thought, well, you know, it's uh, sort of bring the cycle, this song, this show, which in some ways is a very loose uh, song cycle. Uh, they. Uh, to close to close the circle, uh, to say, well, uh, the, the the couples we hear about in, in throughout the show, they they you know they break up eventually, uh, but you're always re- you try to recreate yourself. In short, to tell yourself a new story. Uh, yeah, of course, it can't be only that, but to give yourself a vision of what you want to be. That's that's what I've gone through in changing uh, all the careers I have from academic to writer policy analyst and a few others I haven't mentioned, not just changing jobs, but changing careers, in each of which I had to learn, uh, you know, a new, a new uh, vocabulary, jargon, whatever. Sure. Uh, and uh, so uh, that's what went into this song. So I kept the title, because it still fit. You're putting on feathers <laughs> and, uh, if you go through that. Uh, and uh, I thought, great, I'll have... I'll have a gospel song now. Why not add that to <laughs> this this uh, uh, bizarre uh, uh, collection of styles? And you know, if any of your, uh, I'll, I'll ask a question now of your listeners. Uh, it's uh, well, first I'll say it's it's obviously a secular uh, a gospel song. Um, there's no testifying and witnessing and all the rest, but uh, the nature of the music is obvious immediately. Um, I was going to say, I do have one other uh, more overtly religious song in the show. It just found its way in uh, that you can hear on the CD or uh, at, at um, my site and SoundCloud called uh, The Path to My Kingdom. And I picked the words for that up from a shaker uh, text, of all things, and, mm. and put music to it uh, that was original, but sounds like maybe uh, I like to think a shaker tune. So I, I'm willing to touch on fields outside of my uh, bubble like that. Uh, uh, in this in this case, uh, I kept it uh, secular, but uh, I'd really love to find uh, choral groups and churches to do it. It's, I've arranged it now for SACB, so it's ready to go uh, <laughs> in your favor. But I don't know how to reach any, any of these uh, type of groups. So if somebody finds me and emails me, Dennis at DennisLivingston.com. And you know of a church group or something that might take a look at this, uh, I'm, I'm sure they would love it. Uh, so see what you think, uh, listeners, when, when you hear this one. And uh, 
I like to think uh, it might be inspirational for some people, and uh, I just felt good having it out there. And it ended it ended the show, and it it, it did serve the purpose. Uh, people were almost swaying in the aisles to this one because it has a, has a great you know that you know that that kind of beat. Right. Uh, and I'd like to see it now enter a world beyond uh, the cabaret club. All righty, it's been great talking to you, and uh, uh, I hope we can talk to you again sometime about uh, uh, more music, more shows. Yeah, sure, we are glad to do that. The further adventures. <laughs> the further adventures. Uh, uh, me, my dad, my son. There's <laughs> lots, lots, lots more to say. All righty, we're going to go out with putting on some feathers. Thank you, Dennis. Have a good afternoon. Thanks all. yourself a different story maybe things will turn around searching
This podcast is a member of the Blueberry Network. Blueberry. No ease. That's Blueberry, B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot com. Blueberry.com.